An afternoon game to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't play out the way Miami would have liked it. A true tale of two halves as Miami was blown out early and down by 26, only to mount an incredible comeback that fell just short against the Atlanta Hawks. After three straight wins and now a loss, are there encouraging signs that we can take from today's game? We break down what went wrong, who's to blame, and answer your questions on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your Monday to Friday podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Tough loss for the Heat. They lose to the Hawks 121 to 113 on a Monday afternoon. They deserve credit. For fighting back from 26 points down after Atlanta's hot early shooting, Jimmy Butler scored 34 points. Bam finished with 20, 13, and 5 to go along with three steals and three blocks to make it a five-point game late. But mistakes ultimately cost them this one, namely giving up a uh, DeJounte Murray three-pointer, a blown defensive assignment led to a Clint Capella alley-oop, and then a five-second violation cost them a possession. Uh, A tough loss, considering that in the end, the Heat had a chance to get a solid win, uh, during what has been an otherwise soft stretch in the schedule, not so much a statement win uh, or an opportunity for a statement win, David, but the Hawks are right there in the playing tournament, right there with the Miami Heat. Um, what do you think went wrong in this one? Well, it was obviously allowing that early blowout. Uh, you can't expect a comeback, even in today's game. Obviously, we know, as Eric Spolstra is fond of saying, the three-point shot, the great equalizer. You can close a gap like this pretty quickly in the league if everybody starts knocking down those shots. But they just built such an insurmountable hole that uh, it was too much for them to overcome. Uh, And I think a lot of that was due to matchups. You saw some players that struggled that have stepped up of late. Gabe Vincent, Victor Lodipo, Tyler Hero struggled in the first half that came around eventually to knock down some big shots, necessary shots. But by then it was too little too late. Uh, I I just think they they were – they weren't taking advantage of Gabe Vincent. They weren't utilizing him in a way. I think the, the Hawks, you have to give them credit, did a good job of limiting what Vincent could do. It's not to put it on him specifically, but we've seen so much of their pick and roll action thrive in that sense with Vincent. And they did such a good job of putting the clamps on him and limiting his open looks that they kind of just put them in a tough spot. It was most effective, as we saw, when Jimmy had the ball in his hands and just let him go to work. That's the only offense. Converse, it was a, a sharp contrast from what we saw against the Milwaukee Bucks when it was the fluidity of that offense that looked best. And when Jimmy had the ball in his hands, that's when the offense struggled most. Today was the only time it was really effective was when Jimmy was dominating, getting downhill, getting to the line, drawing contact, et cetera. And when it was trying when they were trying to recreate what they did so well against Milwaukee with Gabe as the point guard or Voladipo with the ball in his hands, it just didn't work. So you have to give credit. They did a pretty good job of switching in just the right way. Uh just you know, you know shagging off a little bit. Uh, from the you know, ball handler and making sure that whenever they tried to penetrate, that they would bl- break up the pass, uh, leading to a turnover. A lot of turnovers early on. Really, really sloppy look. And then just sloppy defensive plays on the top of that, too. I, I can't recall the number of times. I think it was like a four in total that they fouled a three-point shooter in the act of shooting or after the shot had been released, including that DeJounte Murray shot that you referenced. So just not a very... Miami Heat-like game, considering what we've seen from them of late, it was definitely a step back, even if there were encouraging signs to take away from this. 
Yeah, I just wonder how like sort of this early matinee timing impacted their rhythm. You know, uh, no shoot around, nothing like that. I, yeah, the Hawks are playing really well. They're on a three game win streak. They're they're right there in the play in mix, kind of similar to Miami, and that kind of feels like they they're starting to figure out their own thing, right? Their their ball movement has been much better the last couple of weeks and all these things they are starting to figure out some stuff despite some of that early season drama that they were dealing with. Same thing with Miami, right? You're getting guys back worth mentioning Caleb Martin and Tyler hero back in the lineup tonight. Still no uh, Kyle Lowry, which we'll talk. We'll, we'll touch upon that in a little bit here, but mostly a healthy squad. I agree with you. The matchup thing was a little different versus what we just saw against uh, a Milwaukee Bucks team that was without Giannis where that really, and without Chris Middleton. So, I thought, you know, even though the Bucks still had quite a bit of size and that Heat really couldn't go bully ball, their perimeter play was sort of their advantage in that Milwaukee series, where this game against Atlanta, it was like Atlanta's small. We The playbook has been out there. The blueprint to beat the Hawks has been out there for a long time now. Get their little, their, their smaller guards, especially Trey Young, in the switch and then just punish them in the post. And that's why you saw Jimmy Butler score 34 points on 16 shots tonight and go 11-11 from the line. It's That's how you beat the Atlanta Hawks, right? And so I actually thought game plan wise, they did a good job. I, I, I don't know that I really expected Gabe Vincent to your point to even have a big game in this matchup. I, I thought Tyler Hero would be a little bit better. He hit some shots late, but he went. He had 15 points on 16 shots. His first game back in a while, so maybe knocking off some rust should be expected there. But um, ultimately, it was Jimmy and then Bam kind of doing their bully ball thing against Atlanta, and they got going in the second half. But the thing is. I don't know how much there is to even read into this, honestly. Like, the Hawks couldn't miss a shot to start the game. They ended up shooting 48% from three. Most of those were done in the first and second quarter. Yeah. And when you, and when you kind of get dug into a 26-point hole, it's really hard to climb back from that, especially when you're the Heat. And I think, what, they went one of nine um, to start the game. They ended up making, like, eight straight shots or nine straight shots, something like that. But they had a really hard time at the beginning of the game. And by then... You hate to say that it was already over, and certainly it wasn't, given that the, he got it back into, uh, turned it into a clutch game, a five-point game late. Um, but it, it's just really hard to claw back, especially when offensively you're not all that potent to begin with. I, again, Hawks shot 48% from three. The Heat shot 25.8%. They made just eight of 31 of their threes. It seems simplistic, but that might have been the game. And by the way, <laughs> I thought that the, the Heat didn't do a great job of navigating the screens. And stuff like that and contesting a lot of threes. But I didn't think they did a really poor job either. Like that late DeJounte Murray three was well defended. He just made the shot, right? No. Um, he got fouled. He didn't make the four. He didn't convert on the free throw to make it a four-point play. But given that he was contested so close that he ended up getting fouled, it wasn't like he was wide open, I guess is my point. Yeah. Um, I didn't think a lot of the threes were wide open for Atlanta, right? They just made a bunch of shots today. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like uh, a lot of... The shots in the first half that uh, I just it, it seems like they just wouldn't miss like you know they they were defended Jean-Pierre well Murray, five of eight sixty two point five percent on threes that's not that's, that's not, not typical what Dejounte Murray does but he did it today right, right. yeah uh, I mean they shot sixty seven percent in the first half from three Miami conversely shot twenty five percent it was that was the tail of the first half right it was one team was making three point shots the other team wasn't. And you can expect that, right? I mean, how much of that can you chalk up to the rush of incorporating two starters that had missed a combined eight games? You know, I, I think zero. Yeah. Zero. No, because the Heat never shoot like that. Rusty or not rusty, they don't shoot 67% in the first half or 48% for a game. The Heat are not a good three point shooting team this year. The Hawks got hot. Like, I don't know that we could have expected the Heat to shoot better 
I mean, they shot 25.8%. I guess they could have shot closer to their average, which has been around 33%. Is that enough to win this game? Maybe. If anything, I think they just didn't get to the bully ball stuff soon enough in this game. Yeah. They didn't. They early on, it was a lot of Tyler Hero running pick and roll. They kind of just went yeah. to their standard offense. What it's hard to say you would have liked to see more from Jimmy Butler, considering that he scored 34 points. But I actually would have just liked it to was see not the problem stuff early on. Yeah, it was just it wasn't really his game. I don't know. They I were say definitively that. trying to make Tyler get get him going early on, right? Like that was and I'm they were okay making with that considering they yeah. came back. And I, I kind of liked the looks in the first half. They just weren't making shots. I, I I hate again. I know we're we we're supposed to bring more analysis to this show, but sometimes in the NBA, it's just sometimes you just don't make the shots, and the other team just makes a lot of theirs, and and that kind of feels like what this one was to me. Was this more problematic from an offensive standpoint or a defensive standpoint? I have to say, despite giving up seventy points in the first half, the fact that their offense was so shaky. I, I think if they had just been a little bit better knocking down those shots, or if Tyler might have been going a little bit earlier on in terms of getting his offense going they would have eventually done a better job because we saw their defense improve and, and their defense as it has throughout this whole season and has for several years with Jimmy Butler at the team's helm is it fuels their offense. They get the fast break going, they get transition baskets, they get better looks, uh, they get fouled in transition, et cetera. That's where they were very, very effective in the second half, not so much in the first half. So I, I tend to look at it more as they blew some things defensively, yep. uh, no, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. They they got they got ten steals in this game, four blocks. A lot of that stuff led to fed their offense. I I still just like this is a team that has had a really hard time making shots, yeah, for for consistent stretches and and I I'll just I'll, I'll default back to that. One hundred and thirteen points seems like a lot, but against the Atlanta Hawks in today's NBA, it's really not that much, you know. Right. Um, and to give up one hundred and twenty-one points, 21 points doesn't doesn't look great. A lot of that was at the free throw line for Atlanta. Um, I, I, I don't think it was a their best defensive performance, but again, like I thought, Atlanta made a, a lot of tough looks, you know, in this yeah. one too. So I don't know. I just I think they made more shots than than the Heat did. Um, we will get to blame pie here next, but first, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy made easy. It's just basically you against the projected numbers. That's how simple it is. That's why. Prize picks is for everybody. If you haven't tried it, do yourself a favor. It's easy to play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. And this is how it works. You just basically pick two to six players. And if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25%, 20 25 times, excuse me, your money on any single entry. No compete against other people. So it's just you versus the straight projected numbers. And prize picks offers projections of any sport that you watch, including the NBA, of course, the NFL. Major League Baseball, the NHL, college football, college men's basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, cricket, disc golf, you name it, Price Picks has you covered. Entries can be made in under a minute, safe and fast withdrawals, and are currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, Price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50 bucks back. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 by downloading the price picks app or going to pricepicks.com. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen. That smelly smell is the smell of another smelly loss. It's time, David, to hand out 
some blame pie. Um, a while, been a while, you know, I'm not yeah, sure. I, I don't like the kitchen stinking up this way, you know. Can I go back to something I, I said at the beginning of the show? Because um, you, you just said it has been a while. Um, the Heat going into this game, winning 12 of their last 17 games, feeling good, good stretch of games. You're beating the teams in front of you. But like I outlined after that last Milwaukee win, two two wins against the Bucks who were without Giannis yeah. and without Chris Middleton. You kind of go down this entire this this last stretch and a lot of wins against injured, easy opponent. Uh, it, it, yeah, I'll say it hasn't been the toughest competition for the Heat. They finally get a chance to play a basically fully health Atlanta Hawks team who are welcoming back Clint Capella, who played 20 minutes off the bench for them tonight. Um, do, do you read anything into that? Uh, the fact no, they, okay. no, I don't. Now, the Hawks have always been a matchup problem. Like, and when you look at this team again, the, this iteration of the Heat team with Jimmy Butler as its core basically has always had a problem with these kind of fast-paced athletic teams. They certainly that certainly looked the case in the first half. And have a problem Miami against the Hawks in the playoffs in April. No, because again, they went early on to Jimmy Butler, and and the game slows down. Period in the playoffs, and it plays better to Miami's strengths to Jimmy Butler's individual greatness and things of that sort that's i think that's the key there and they did a much better job i think of pressuring trey young in the second half and doing so what they did in the playoffs you know he was getting too many looks in the first half because you know as dangerous as he can be with a shooting he's probably even more dangerous with his passing he had that lob to capella late that was problematic and i, and I think he started to see them realize well that we had the game plan of how to beat this team with with trey young there so i i, I think they just they did not go to it early enough, but I, I think it, it was I don't I don't know I just don't see this as a bad loss. I know a lot of Heat fans will be disappointed, I'm with you. and I'm with and, you. and I understand that perspective too because the fact that they did get so close and fall short kind of feels like well you just you know what was the point right you just exerted all this energy for nothing, but at the same time I think it did show that when their strengths are there as they were in the second half they were they looked dominant like their defense to offense was as great as we've seen. From this team, reminiscent almost of their the big three in many ways, like just turning the ball over, getting to their shots, knocking down shots. Jimmy Butler dialed up. Bam was electric in the second half. It was really, really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I I can't I can't feel too disappointed in this loss, although I can understand uh, the perspective of those who are. Yeah, I mean, you lose. Like I understand anybody's disappointed after a loss. I'm sure the Heat are disappointed. I, I I'm with you though. I, I think that this is just one of those games over the course of regular season that you chalk up to the Hawks just not being able to miss a shot and the Heat having yeah. time making their own shots. And in today's NBA, where the three ball is so important and, and creates so much variance, sometimes that's just what it looks like. But to your point, Miami outscored Atlanta by 12 points in the second half. You know, and that's they looked really good. Um, and like I said, the Hawks are a team that's coming along. This is not the same drama filled Hawks team that just couldn't get out of their own way the way that they were uh, earlier in the season. That said, we do need to hang out bland pie because that's what we do after losses. And I do think that we need to start with just the question about whether or not we give any to Victor Oladipo um, because I didn't think it was a bad Victor Oladipo game necessarily, but that five-second violation at the end of the game there, the Heat down by two possessions, not a lot of time left, about half a minute left in the game, but, you know, you get that – you get the – you get the inbound in, maybe you make a shot, let's call it a three-pointer, and then you're playing the foul game a little bit. It's a one-possession game. Maybe you're able to force a turnover on the inbound or something like that. We had just seen them force a turnover by trapping Trey Young, a possession before that. So does, does Victor Oladipo get blame pie just because of the, uh, uh, 
because of that five second violation, the inability to get the inbound in there. Not just because of that. Uh, I think there were other miscues throughout the game, trying to force those passes early, like when he was getting into that pick and roll or driving to the rim and looking for cutters. He forced a couple, couple turnovers that way. Uh, fouled another three point shooter, something that I referred to earlier on. Uh, also missing all of his three point attempts, like over oh, four. I, I know, I know, yeah, I know they're not necessarily relying on Victor Oladipo. I talked after last game against the Bucks on Saturday that the bench seems to be one of their great strengths now moving forward because you're getting Gabe Vincent, you're getting Tyler Hero back, etc. Like, you, you know, what you're going to get in terms of like this, this good starting lineup, and now all of a sudden you have these reserve players stepping up and, and finding their roles more comfortably. And while you don't want to say you're relying on Victor Lodipo's offense, you can't have him be a ne- negative out there. You can't have him missing every shot and then not doing things to balance out some production level on offense. Like he just has to score more. He has to be more effective in his, as a scorer because they need that from him. And we've seen that from him of late. So a uh, tough one from him. I, I, I'm comfortable giving him, if not at least one slice, maybe even two slices of blame pie. I think two is fine. Um, three of eight, oh, four overall. Did have 10 assists in the game. He was a big player yes. for the team after, off the bench. Um, but I don't think defensively he was where Coming in early be. for Caleb Martin, who was in foul trouble, we should point out maybe he was slightly yeah. out of rhythm. I don't I don't want to say that that played a factor. Again, you're already playing at 330. Going in at 345, is, uh, checking in at 353 shouldn't make much of a difference. But I don't know if it did or no, not. I, I don't know. Um, I'm okay with one or two slices for Oladipo. I think we need to talk about the bench, though, in general, um, which Oladipo was a part of. The bench is what lost the Heat the game tonight. Jimmy Butler was a plus four. Caleb Martin was a plus three. Bam Adebayo was a plus six. Tyler Hero, I'd be willing to give him a slice of blame pie, but he was at least a plus five. Um, and he made, those, he made the, the big three-pointer late and a floater to make it uh, a, a two-possession game late in that one. Um, still went one of eight. I don't know. Do we give Tyler Hero a slice just because he yeah. did? Like, if you're if you're looking for somebody to be a shooter, Tyler Hero is the shooter on this team, and he only went one of eight from three point range. It's it's rough. It's it's a tough question, and I understand why and you're coming you're, back you're, from uh, like a yeah. Week. Like he, he is he he's, he was noticeably rusty, and at the same time, like you could see them getting into their sets there. The patience from Tyler as a playmaker, leading the player on defensively, and then you know being able to create. An uh, open look for a teammate. He had a couple turnovers too. He wasn't quite the timing wasn't quite perfect yet with either Jimmy or or Bam early on. And of course, then with his shots not falling, he's not really much of this or as much of a factor as he potentially could be. So you balance that out by the time by the fact that he's also rusty, and yet he you know he he didn't score enough. He he did not hit down his his shots early nope. on, which is what they need him to. So a slice, maybe one, two. I'm good with it. I'm one 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 for hero, giving him the benefit of the doubt for rust. I think that's fair. Um. Uh, let's talk about the bench because I mentioned the plus minus there in the starting lineup. Again, the Heat winning this game when the starters were in there. The bench yeah. is costing this game. Gabe Vincent was a minus eight. Victor Oladipo was minus 10. Orlando Robinson, rough day for him, minus 14. Uh, and Atlanta is, by the way, they have two starting caliber centers between Anakia Kongu and Clint Capella. So asking Orlando Robinson to basically go in there and match up with Clint Capella, who's coming off the bench for Atlanta tonight. That's a tough assignment. That said, he was still a minus 14 and really didn't do much. Had one rebound the entire game, missed the only shot he took, was a non-factor. Uh, and then, I hate to say it, this might have been a good Dwayne Dedman game. Maybe. Um, and then Max Struess was... <laughs> do you want to consider it? I mean, it's a hypothetical. We could we could discuss whether... And I, I don't think the Heat win this game if Dwayne Dedman is playing. I'll put it that way. I don't think it makes that much of a difference, but... I don't know. We, I don't know. we could at we least the threat of, of him for conversation too, because Dwayne Dedman's sitting there healthy, relatively healthy, available at least. 
but uh, just to, to finish up the, the bench thought here, Max Drews was a minus 18. Haywood Highsmith was a minus eight. So there's the game right there. The bench just couldn't do anything. Could not make a shot, I think, off the bench. Uh, Victor Oladipo was three of eight. Orlando Robinson was zero of one. Struess was three of nine. Hay- Haywood w- uh, was three of five. He was the best, uh, at least percentage-wise, off the bench, but wasn't very good defensively. I think Max Struess got destroyed defensively tonight. Gabe Vincent, I didn't think, had his strongest game defensively. Uh, Not a good matchup. When you're looking at players who didn't do their job navigating all the screens that Atlanta is going to set and all these things, I think it was the players that were just meant that I just listed. They, they, they gave up a lot. I thought defensively in a way that the starters weren't really. For all of his lack of size and Vincent, like he probably like Kyle Lowry is a little bit better playing guards that are bigger than he is because he's just so physical and you just can't afford that level of physicality with a player like Trey Young, who's going to stop at a dime to force a foul call or just, you know, act uh, in a way where he's putting up a shot that's going to look like a foul, et cetera. Like, there are, there was probably more contact that should have been allowed anyway. So, I mean, he, he might have gotten a, a call regardless, but against a player like Trey Young, who does get to the line so much, who does depend on the whistle so much in order to be effective, it's just not a good matchup for Vincent, who does play larger than his physical size and is, is, you know, just better being able to hold his own and switch onto bigger guards. I think like you saw the matchup against Drew Holiday, like he was able to at least try to be a, a certain level of physicality, match that level of physicality with a bit, much bigger player in Holiday against Young, basically the similar sizes gave Vincent and a little bit quicker, uh, just not a very good one. Um, so we've got two two blame pie slices to Oladipo, one to Tyler Hero. That means we're going to give two to Gabe, two to Max, and two to Orlando Robinson. We have one slice left over. Does that go to Gabe Vincent, make it three for him, or Max Struess, do you think? I think you said two to Gabe Vincent already. Do we make it three, is my point. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All ten. All right. That'll do it for blame pie. we got questions from you guys, the listeners, coming up next. Did the Heat miss Kyle Lowry? in this game, considering that Gabe Vincent just got three slices of blame pie. Maybe they did. We'll talk about that next. But David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Bilt Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know a lot of people have made resolutions for the new year of trying to eat a little healthier. Well, guess what? You got to try Bilt. With Bilt, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you, but they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond, Wes's favorite. I'm not sure how Built does it, but those bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars only at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Make sure to go to Built.com as well. Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, email us, LockdownHeat at gmail.com. You can send in your questions for our postgame shows using the hashtag AskLOHeat. This first question comes from Michael, who writes in, did Spo wait too long to bring Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler back into the game 
in the fourth quarter. So some context here. Jimmy Butler rests the first half of the fourth quarter, as he usually does. Didn't check in until about seven and a half minutes left in the game. At that point, the Haw- the, the Heat had cut the, the Hawks at one point, 26-point lead down to single digits. It was nine. It was 10. It was 11. It was sort of hovering around there. Jimmy Butler comes back in. Um, then, as soon as Jimmy comes in seven and a half minutes, Bam comes out. And he yeah. comes out for two minutes. In those two minutes, the Hawks go on a 7-0 run to turn what was a nine-point lead for Atlanta into a 15-point lead with five and a half minutes to go in the game. Okay, so Jimmy Butler overall played, what was it, 33 minutes in this game? 34 minutes. 34 minutes for Jimmy Butler, 36 minutes for Bam Adebayo. Orlando Robinson only played 12 minutes off the bench. Um, It didn't feel like they leaned on the bench that much, but I do believe this this is a fair question. Considering that, hey, you're the Miami Heat, you're you're clinging for playing for for a a spot in the playing tournament. Hopefully, trying to get out of that playing tournament and get a top six seed. All these games matter, especially against another uh, playoff type team in the Atlanta Hawks. These head to head matchups really matter in terms of the standings. So, yeah, was there maybe uh, is there a point in this question saying, hey, like I, I understand we're in the, it's it's only January, but this is a chance to get a much needed win still and keep the good times rolling. Maybe put Jimmy Butler in there a minute earlier. Maybe not take Bam out for a couple of minutes for Orlando Robinson and allow the Hawks to go on a 7-0 run there. Like, What do you think about this? It's an interesting question, and I, I can see why the debate is an important one because you're right. Like These games all do matter. You could have gone five games over 500. You can continue building and, and showing an Eastern Conference opponent that, you know, you might be jockeying for position at some point. You might you want to keep trying to build as much uh, victories, as many victories yeah. as you possibly can against Eastern Conference opponents. So I totally understand that. I, but I, I do see the point of, one, you don't want to necessarily overexert your players and play them for long stretches at a time in an early January game. We've seen Jimmy Butler miss time. We've seen Bam miss time. Do you want to continue to force them out there when you can go to other players? And that's the whole thing, too, is, again, the bench has been a strength. These reserves have been typically better of late. And so you trust that they can do a better job. You hope that they can. That's the balance that a head coach has to pull, right? Like, you want to show and you want to trust your bench, right, in these stretches. You also want to manage those minutes during, especially during the course of a long regular season. And so you have to. It's, it's tough. I know every fan just wants to say, hey, why aren't your best players playing all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter? It's like, okay, then they miss the rest you want them to come out <laughs> for the entire third quarter? Like, you have to – you can't just play everybody for all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter every single time you're in a close game, especially considering that the Heat have been in more close games than any team in the NBA this year. We're, ta- we're talking about 30 close games. So what, you're just going to play your best Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo every minute of the fourth quarter for 30 games this season? Like, that's just not manageable. That said – and this was a big trending topic on Twitter, whatever that's worth. While Jimmy Butler was sitting out for the first, you know, six minutes of that fourth quarter, people were like, get Jimmy in there, get Jimmy in there, get Jimmy in there. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with him sitting for a little bit, considering where this game was headed and how much work Jimmy Butler had to do every offensive possession, because it was, again, him just hunting out the mismatches, getting the switch, and then getting into the post. Yeah, I kind of did want him fresh, and I thought seven and a half minutes, you get him in there right around his normal time, that's enough time, as long as it's within 10 points. Seven and a half minutes is a long time. I, I didn't have a problem with that. 
I didn't. They, were, they got didn't right back in. So. I didn't love Bam coming out for two minutes. Yeah. I, I, I think I would like because Orlando was so bad. It. Is that because Orlando was such a big difference? Like, yes. I mean, no, Orlando Robinson wasn't good tonight. He, he he got two slices of blame pie and he deserved it. And, and, um, but also Bam was awesome. Like, and the offense was flowing when Bam was, was, was the hub of the offense as he always is. Like, you just, yeah. it's, this is the problem when you have a great player like Bam Adebayo and you take him out. And if he's in a flow and you take him out, nobody can replace what it is that Bam Adebayo does, right? Not on this roster or any roster. Like Bam is one of a kind. So when you take him out, I, I, I the way that he was playing, and and the fact that Orlando Robinson wasn't contributing anything, and you weren't gonna take, you weren't gonna put Dwayne Dedman into this game, and I don't know that it would have mattered. I, I tweeted this in the third quarter. I thought I said I don't know that Bam could come out for the rest of this game, and he came out for two minutes. It shouldn't it shouldn't be that big of a deal to come out for two minutes. Uh, but he came out for a minute, went to the scores table, sat at the scores table for a minute. And in those two minutes, the Hawks went on a seven Oh run. And like I said, it turned what was a nine point game into a 15 point game. Who knows? The heat might've been able to steal this one. If Bam doesn't come out, I would like to know the decision-making process around behind it. Was it Spo just trying to bank Bam a breather here for a couple minutes? Or was it Bam looking at the sideline saying, Hey, I just, I need a couple minutes. I need, I need to catch my breath for a second so that I can come back in. I don't know. I have no idea what the decision was behind that, but regardless of what it was, I didn't like that he rested those two minutes. I thought I, it could have cost the Heat the game tonight. Look, uh, on the flip side of that, can we just look at it at, from a positive perspective, how great Bam's game was? Like, that he was 9-19. Again, we're talking 19 field goal attempts. Like, you know, at the start of the season, we didn't even think he'd ever get to a point where he would be comfortably taking 18-plus field goals yeah, per game. He was and talking he is, about his goal being 18 shots a game. That's right. Like, it was 15, and we was like, that was the goal set for him. And he's like, no, I'm going to exceed that. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. And here he is taking 19 shots, three blocks, active on defense, doing everything he possibly can, awesome. 13 rebounds. That third quarter. Really, was really good game for him. Like if, if, if anybody out, I'm, anybody watching this is a band believer because you're watching this at 30 minute mark of the podcast. So I'm sure you're, you're bought into BAM already. But if whatever reason you're watching this and you're not bought into BAM, just watch the third quarter of this game. I know the Heat lost. Well, I don't even care. That'll, that'll that's a believer. Interesting question, obviously, because you're Reggie Miller and, and uh, you know the, the hey, Kevin Harlan talking about Jimmy Butler being a deserving All Star after he puts on this monster performance on a nationally televised game on a holiday, no less. And yet Bam comes up with a very big game, an all around game. Like this is perfectly synonymous of who you know Bam Adebayo is as a player. And I don't know that he's going to get the light. One, it's a loss. And two, like his numbers just weren't as gaudy as Jimmy. So I wonder, like we're talking about, like we're a couple of days removed from the equal Miami-Dade County Arena, you know, announcer saying bam for all-star game. Yeah. You know, this was an all-star performance. I mean, he scored almost, well, I mean, what was it? He scored 20 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, three steals, three blocks. I don't think anybody actually watching this. I, I give more credit to voters not thinking that, hey, you don't have to just score 30 or 40 points in order to get an all-star nod. If you watched, if you actually watched this game, it, it was in believe that by Bam. Do you really believe that? On it. I do. I do. I look, I'm not saying every voter, but I think that people I don't know. watch I don't... basketball. You've got, you've got to like, if you watched this game, it's impossible to come away from this game and think that Bam had anything other than an all-star caliber performance. If you watched the game, I'm saying not people that just look at the box score after let's get to our final question. Cause we're going long here. Alfonso Wright said, did the Heat miss Kyle Lowry tonight? And I'm just going to say something really quick. Um, it's impossible to know whether or not the Heat would have won this game with Kyle Lowry, but I will say this. Back to something I said before, 
I thought that the screen navigation by Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and a little even Caleb Martin was not where you wanted it to be tonight. Kyle Lowry is good at navigating those screens. He is very good at closing out, uh, knowing where the offense is going to go. The Hawks offense is not a, an easy one to guard. It's not as predictable as it was. Um, they've been a lot better. DeJounte Murray being more of a factor more recently. And so I think Kyle Lowry would have been a lot very helpful in this game. Again, did the Heat win this without Kyle Lowry? I don't know. Did they miss him, though? Because that's not the question. Would they have won it with Kyle? That's not the question. Did they miss Kyle Lowry tonight? I think yes. they did. I think that's fair. To, I, I think that's inarguable. No, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, who knows what Gabe's role would have looked like off the bench that Kyle been starting. So, I mean, the, the defensive perspective you just mentioned, too. Like, this is a game where Lowry's defense, his style, his style of play would have been much more effective, I think, than what we saw from and, Gabe Vincent. Maybe not so much against Milwaukee, but yeah. against the Atlanta Hawks, much more better suited. And it's not even one for one. I know we want to focus on, is it Gabe or is it Kyle Lowry? But let's just say, I, like, Max Struess had a rough night tonight, too, like, Instead of having to play him 28 minutes, if you've got Kyle Lowry in there and you're able to play Gabe Vincent a little bit, now you're able to sort of redistribute those Max Struess minutes to guys right. who might have been a little bit more effective. I don't know. But Gabe Vincent also had a rough shooting night. Four of 10 for him, two of seven from three-point range. Who knows? Maybe Lowry would have been better. Did they miss him? Yeah, they missed him. Uh, I don't know if that would have made the difference, but they missed him. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up now, make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on locked on NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.